0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode, a proud member of the Front Row Network of Shows on NPR Illinois. For the past five years, we've been providing hours of content every month, and now we've created the chance for all of you to get even more content. We've officially launched our Patreon page to give you the chance to support our work. There are four separate levels, and each come with their own amazing bonus perks, including exclusive episodes, full movie commentary tracks, and even the ability to choose what episodes we do and be on them with us to show your support simply go to www.patreon.com slash front row network that's patreon.com slash front row network thank you again and as always we'll see you in the front row
1: i only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that it was all started by a mouse
2: hello everyone out there in podcast land this is the beyond the mouse podcast the disney theme podcast for the front row network and for npr illinois we are so excited to have you today, and we have a very special guest to talk to today as well. But before we do, my name is Craig, and I'm here with my co-host, Brett Rutherford. Hi. And my other co-host, Vanessa Ferguson. Hello. Anything fun going on this week, guys? You, you doing anything exciting?
0: Oh, well, oh you know. Ex- This week. What am I doing this week? I don't know.
2: Just interviewing a
0: bunch of
3: interesting people.
2: That's right, just always or, interviewing people. We are so excited. <laughs> hey, you know. So excited. That's okay, for we're making some lemonade during there. our experience, our worldwide experience. So <laughs> That is right. I love the lemonade. Right. <laughs> Loving lemonade for <laughs> sure. So today, uh, we are going to have the opportunity to speak to Lou Mangello of WDW Radio. And for those of you that haven't had the opportunity to listen to WDW Radio, it is probably one of the premier podcasts out there, uh, specifically for Disney. It is the Disney podcast that I uh, tend to recommend first to everyone that's saying, you know, I really love listening to your show or I like Disney a lot. I want to plan a first time vacation. WW Radio is the place that I send them to. So Lou, you'll get to meet him here in just a little bit when we get to interview him. Lou was a lawyer in New Jersey who left all that behind because of his love for Disney. Moved to the Orlando area and now covers Walt Disney World like no one else out there. He's on social media. You can find him everywhere by searching for Lou Mangiello and you can also search WDW Radio. There's also a WDW Radio Box People Facebook group, which I would highly recommend. You'll find me in there and it's just a group of people that love Disney, love to talk about the recent news, but also just share their experiences while in the park. And I am so excited for this interview. So we're going to get right to it. Here is Lou Mangello. Welcome to the show, Lou Mongello. We are so excited to have you today, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, if I uh, can, and if my listeners will allow me, and then also our guests will allow me, I do have a brief story about you, Lou, and uh, it's one that you don't even know about. Uh, we, just a brief history lesson, we started the Front Row Movie Reviews five years and 500 episodes ago. And when we started that, I was starting to look around and really get into podcasting and start to think about what kind of podcast I would like to develop and we'd like to bring to what what eventually became the Front Row Network. And one of the things that I kept coming to was the positivity and the, just friendliness and the chemistry that existed at wdw radio it was something that was just contagious and it exuded this uh in this world where things may be happening to you at all times and you're not exactly sure what the day is going to bring you know that you can have some happiness and some positivity brought to you by listening to this and so uh you've been a guiding light for what became the front row movie reviews then to the front row network and then of course we became Beyond the Mouse, we decided to start our own Disney, a show based off of the Front Row Network. And then eventually, uh, we partnered with NPR. And I want to say that more so than any guests that we've had on or anybody that we've had the uh, opportunity to interview that you have influenced me, you've influenced the network, you've influenced this particular show more than you probably realize. So we just want to say thank you so much. And uh, just how much this means to me to be able to get to talk to you today so thanks for allowing us to, to have a chat
1: wow like i was not expecting that that's incredibly humbling i'm <laughs> on the border of tears and um <laughs> wow I, I thank you very much for that good night everybody <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely so we'll go ahead and get into some questions and we have to start with you were one of the first podcasts out there and truly one of the first disney podcasts out there you started podcasting in 2005 what what uh, made you decide you wanted to sit down and do a podcast? And how did WDW Radio start? Because
1: I was a horrible typist. That's exactly the reason why. No, I, listen. You know, two thousand five, um, I, I did. I had heard about this new technology called podcasting. I literally went out and asked Jeeves what a podcast was, and I did. Um, I realized very early on that the spoken word is so much more powerful than anything that I could write. You know, you can't convey emotion and passion the same way. Um, I was a bit of a a tech nerd, so I really jumped on it uh, very, very quickly, not even knowing if anybody would find it. You know, again, this is like pre-iTunes, pre-Apple Podcasts, pre-everything else, pre-social media. And then, two, would anybody listen? You know, would anybody listen to hear me uh, talk about, you know, Disney for an hour-ish plus or so um, every single week. And, um, you know, certainly without question, it's the heart of what I do. It's what I love doing um, and the thing that I'm clearly most passionate about.
2: Absolutely. So one of the other things that I love about your show is you're a remarkable storyteller. You uh, have a way of bringing that passion out and really explaining in detail some stories that you have. And so uh, this doesn't necessarily need to be a personal story to you but what is something that just is quintessential Disney to you? And maybe uh, it can speak to the fandom that people bring to it, but just a a story about Disney uh, that you'd like to share.
1: First of all, if you keep saying all these nice things about me, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to be crying by minute two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's, and that's really what it is. And again, thank you for that. Um, You know, and and as we talk about Disney, I mean, that's what Disney is. They are, are fascinating storytellers. And I think, the thing that sets Disney apart. I think there's the reason why we're talking today. I and many other people have not just a, a podcast, but a voice, whether it be audio, video, blog, social, whatever. There's so many now of us that are doing this because it, it is something that, that we have such an emotional connection to. Um, and I think really there's no other brand that I can think of anywhere that has the brand loyalty that Disney does. And it's not about, you know, my show, these blogs. It's not about the rides and the attractions, maybe in my case about the food, but it's, a, it's about the way that Disney makes us feel. Whether we go to a movie, we watch Disney+, Plus, we walk into a theme park. Look, if you've been into Magic Kingdom and you, quote, unquote, get it, you know that when you pass under that train track and sort of that, that curtain rises on Main Street USA and you hear the music and you see the guests and the smiles, there's a transformation that happens and there's a feeling that washes over you. And to your point about, you know, sort of now more than ever, the importance of those good feelings, that positivity, that, that is in fact, I agree, contagious. Um, it is, it's, there's something special about this company and this
0: brand and certainly that place.
2: Absolutely. Brett, you had a question.
0: Well, so as a Disney social media trailblazer and marketing influencer, yes, yes, own it, <laughs> own it. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions for Disney blogging and podcast dreamers and doers who want to share their passion for all things Disney? I'm sure that there are a few of us, I I mean them, that are out there in podcast land. <laughs> so I will use a um, a quote
1: from one of my favorite, A now extinct songs, now is the time, now is the best time from Carousel of Progress. And I think the beauty of what is happening right now, which is even different from when I first started, is there's no more gatekeepers. So for me, when I started writing my first book, I had to find a publisher and somebody had to sort of give me the approval to publish my book. If you wanted to be on the radio, somebody had to give you an opportunity. If you wanted to be published, if you wanted to be on TV, somebody had to give you a chance those gatekeepers are gone the barriers of entry are so much lower and you do have the opportunity to share your unique voice and perspective however you want put on your blinders don't worry about what everybody else is doing you go be you like for me like the show that i do is is a show that i would want to listen to people like how do you come up with 600 plus you know different unique you know topics for podcast. I'm like, well, because I talk about things that I as a Disney fan would want to do. And I think that's the most important thing is at the heart of whatever you do. And I know passion's an overused word, but you do have to find that thing that you love and then make it uniquely yours. And and you will, I think we become magnets for the people we want to attract. The people who are like minded that enjoy that same type of thing will find you and you'll build not just a, an audience, but more importantly a community.
2: Absolutely, I you know just to, to go off of that, having started this network and then seeing uh, groups of people reach out to us and we've grown and we've we've expanded even hosts and shows and offerings and things like that. Um, you don't know where this is going to go. You know we you never know uh, that you're going to have the opportunity to. We uh, sitting here didn't know that we were going to have the opportunity to interview Bob Gurr and Floyd Norman and Lou Mangiello and and all <laughs> of these different people that uh, help us really bring that passion and that um, love of Disney together and so it's so great and I love what you said about gatekeepers and and how podcasting you can start a podcast with your phone you don't need anything fancy you just need an idea and you need uh, some way to express that idea and then really from there you can you can build something very special out of it so it's just so great and Uh, podcasting is something that i'm such an advocate for i think everybody should have a podcast if they want to and if that's uh if they feel like they have a a voice to to speak about a a certain topic for sure so brett you also had a question about d23
0: well yes well i visited your i visited your wdw radio booth at d23 expo last year loved the balloon sculptures (laughs) they were amazing Um, What is your D23 Expo experience like? Do you have any favorite experiences or memorable moments from last year or any other year? Oh, so first thank you for
1: visiting and all credit goes to John Reed, who's an amazing balloon artist for creating on the fly, these incredible balloon sculptures that we have at our booth every year. And when you asked about the memory, the first one that came to mind was the very first d23 expo when nobody knew what to expect both as a guest and a visitor and certainly as an exhibitor i had no clue going in and i was just wonderfully overwhelmed at the response of seeing again this sort of community of like-minded people whether you loved the tv shows the movies the theme parks pin collecting what disneyland it didn't matter we were all sort of gathered together and there was this immediate sense of community and camaraderie. And for me, and, and again, the the point of this story is to illustrate that again, talking about the powers of the medium. I, one of the things I like to do and I've been doing since 2007 is, is live video. And the first day of what at that time was a four day expo, I said, oh, I'm going to go live for just a few minutes. I want to show you what is happening on the show floor well, that few minutes on day one ended up being all day, all four days, because I wanted people at home who weren't there to not, hey, look what you're missing, but look what you're missing. I want to bring it to you. And it was incredible because not one, but two people came up to me on Friday and Saturday and said, You know, I was watching your video on Thursday. I, I saw what was happening on the show floor and I felt like I had to be there. I packed a bag. And I went to the airport and came in, and and that is just, it's remarkable, one, again, the passion of the community, and two, the power of the medium to say, hey, this I want you to be here. You should come, and some people actually did.
2: I haven't made it to D23 yet, but fingers crossed uh, that will be out there soon. And Brett, uh, I keep telling you about sleeping about on it. the
0: floor, and they're not into that, <laughs> but I'm like, going, it's so worth it. I. It's so worth it. So. The whole
1: overall experience is just, you know, at the time you're like sleeping on the floor, waiting online line for hours, but it's great. It, it yes. is exhausting in a in the most wonderful way.
0: Yeah, it is. It's very much worth it. Yeah. Crazy. Vanessa? <laughs> I'm like going, yeah. It's fine.
3: Yeah. Well, we'll see, Brett. But um, switching gears a little bit, mainly so I don't have to talk about sleeping on the floor. Um we want to get into some of the news that's been coming out, and Disney's third quarter, orni- uh, third quarter earnings were just announced. And CEO Bob Chapek mentioned that the company is continuing to build on the success of Disney+. Plus. And they've also just announced that Mulan will be premiering on Disney+, Plus to those who pay an extra $30. So we were wondering, what are your thoughts on the company's trajectory and their greater reliance on their direct-to-consumer uh, streaming service?
1: Yeah, so, you know, first things first, you, you hear the earnings come out. And, you know, when you're talking about losses of, of monumental proportions that we just sort of almost can't wrap our heads around, when you hear about Mulan coming to Disney+, Plus, I, I almost sort of hoped for and anticipated this, and I applaud Disney+, for being at the forefront of what is obviously going to be an experiment to see how it works from a a fiscal perspective and how it works from a consumer perspective. I think this makes absolute sense in a lot of different ways. I think, you know, this film, I feel so bad has been postponed, you know, time and time and time again. And we as, as consumers have been waiting for it. I love the idea of being able to watch it in the comfort of my own home. And people are like, well, thirty dollars—it's a lot. I'm like, well, no, it's not, because if I take my family of four to the movies, I'm dropping a hundred dollars very, very easily, just because I eat my weight in popcorn. But <laughs> in this in this time of of a clear uncertainty, as as you know, are people going to, when movie theaters open up again? Will people be comfortable going back? I think this allays a certain uh, amount of that fear while still giving us access. Look, I think this is going to be the first of many studios um, doing this. And I think think this is going to mark a shift in consumerism of the medium as a whole. There is something to be said, you know, please, I, I would love to see, you know, Avengers Endgame on the big screen is very different than Avengers Endgame in my home. But, you know, I would rather see Black Widow sooner rather than later. And knowing that I'm going to own it for $30 and I get to see it before I have to wait uh, for it to come out regularly on Disney Plus, I think it makes total sense.
0: And also they've made a change this year as far as the Academy and uh, the various award shows that um, that they've made an exception this year. So uh, that films that were intended for a theatrical release are going to be in consideration, like as though they uh, had uh, opened in theaters. So, so that all of the cachet that goes with that. So, so they're getting that part too. So they don't have to worry about it being uh, the direct to video stigma of the past. So direct to home video
2: yeah, of the past. Absolutely. And I mean, just looking at the trailer from Mulan, uh, we see so many stunning visuals and uh, st- stunning cinematography and of course, Uh, we always have Disney in that conversation for things like score and stuff like that. So uh, certainly the awards might be a a consideration here, but also I think that like you were saying, Lou, you're we're kind of going into this time uh, where we don't know how long this is going to last and uh, allowing for that direct to consumer, you already have that platform available. Uh, It makes sense that they would want to try to do this. And I know that I'll be, checking out Mulan over Labor Day, and I'm very excited about that opportunity. And you mentioned Black Widow, and I think that the MCU is a slightly different animal when it comes to this, because it does have such an amazing fan base behind it. Um, Do you think that maybe it would have been a better test of something like this, had they have decided to do it with an MCU film, as opposed to uh, the, the film that they decided on with Mulan?
1: So I think Mulan is actually going to be a very good barometer because it's not the quote-unquote guaranteed blockbuster, right? You know, there's been discussion about Mulan. Well, there's no Mushu, there's no music. Like, is this really the Mulan? So I think this is going to be interesting to see how badly people, especially Disney fans, want to see it. I did a very informal poll during my live show last night, and, and there was a, a, a wide spectrum of opinions in terms of, you know, do they want it this way? I think with something like Black Widow, everybody is going to get it because it's a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. So it's, you know, it's almost like a quote unquote guaranteed winner. So I think this one actually makes more sense. And, and you know, again, kudos to Bob Chapek and, and Disney for choosing this one, really getting a sense of how it works, both from a distribution standpoint, as well as a consumer, you know, guest satisfier standpoint.
2: Absolutely, and you know, um, I am such an MCU fanboy uh, through and through, and knowing that they do have some kind of plan in place, and, and having to shift those films, I'm just happy that we'll be getting them at some point in the future. I do have to mention, my uh, I am just so happy when you had interviewed Kevin Feige to learn that he's actually a fan of your show, and, and that he <laughs> listens to your show, because that just shows right there the type of Uh, That at a top executive level, they are in tune with the fans. And I think that that is what makes Disney and Marvel uh, so successful is that you have someone that's running this and trying to create this brainchild that that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe listening to WDW radio as a fan. You know, it's just such a—it's such a cool conversation to
0: have. I know that's freaking you out, but that's a good thing. i <laughs> like, I know, it's that's still crazy, amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it is, thing. and <laughs> and and
2: you know, I, listen,
0: I
1: think, and I'm happy you brought that up, and and you know, I certainly wouldn't, but but it is, and from a fan perspective, like you know, it, it's amazing to me, and as a podcaster, you never know who's listening, and I mean that is, you know, in a positive way, not in a bad way, and I think it also illustrates too that the people who are running the studios and the theme parks are fans first. I don't mean fans of my show. I I don't know. I mean, they are fans of the parks. They are fans of what, you know, Kevin Feige is not just a huge Marvel fan. He's a huge star Wars guy too. Like he comes to Walt Disney world with his family every year, just a vacation. He has no entourage. He's got no anything. It's just him and his hat, and they just sort of walk around and get to do their thing because he loves the place so much.
2: Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Vanessa, you had another question related to the parks.
3: Yes. Well, the last couple of years, Disney fans have been excited for the 50th anniversary, but now we're holding our breath to see what happens to the parks and reservations for that time period. And we just wanted to ask, what's your prediction for the 50th anniversary and what the experience is going to be like for guests wanting to go to the parks?
1: You know (laughs) what the last few months have told us is, um, you know, predictions are a very tricky thing. (laughs) Um, It's just when you think, you know, what's going to happen god or karma says hold my beer so you know (laughs) october 2021 is both relatively soon and relatively far away and it's so nearly impossible to predict just because we don't know how things change on a daily weekly monthly basis my my hopes are that we will return to some semblance of quote-unquote Normalcy by then. I'd love to be able to go back to the parks, maybe without a face covering and without words like physical
0: distancing coming into play.
1: Please bring back buffets, like that's all i really
0: Boma, <laughs> I'm. I am in serious mourning about Boma. I'm like going, oh please. I know. I need my soup. Yeah, we don't know. So look, I I fully
1: believe that. Disney will do the best that they can do, especially based on what I've seen since the parks have reopened at that time with what that they have to work with, with, again, first and always um, safety taking precedence over, you know, show and courtesy and efficiency and things like that.
3: Yeah. And I've been wondering, too, uh, you know, to me, it's either going to be, okay, maybe the parks will be emptier and I can enjoy the 50th anniversary all to myself, kind of like what we're seeing now, or it's going to be crazy swamped because everyone's (laughs) going to be so, like, dying to just get back in the parks. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But we also wanted to ask you about some of the uh, greenlit attractions that have now been canceled or postponed. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And, you know, do you think we're going to see them again or maybe we're going into a time of little growth for the parks who knows but what are your thoughts
1: so i think you know for some of the attractions the planes are already very much in flight certainly things like guardians of the galaxy and tron um you know looking forward to places like epcot mary poppins some of the elements in future world moana you know some of these things that that it's still very much uncertain um i think we'll still eventually see them either in their um already sort of concept arted form, um, or over time, who knows, maybe something different, something better will come along. There's a lot of things that were announced, including that centerpiece of future world and that observation deck, which I was very, very excited about. Um, certainly, I would love to see a Mary Poppins attraction continue to come to World Showcase and that continuing transformation of what World Showcase is and, and more guest attractors and, and guest satisfiers, especially for young kids as well.
2: Yeah. If you had to predict it, do you think that they do, uh, going back, do they reinvest in some of those properties that were supposed to get facelifts, primarily something like a Spaceship Earth, maybe before they expand into the newer attractions again? Or imagination, which is, you know, (laughs) just.
1: (laughs) So I I think Spaceship Earth is going to get the update and refurbishment that was already planned. I think when the parks reopened, there is so much construction going on now that you almost couldn't have it. You know, fortunately, it happened when it did so that construction hadn't started taking place so they could sort of just turn the lights back on and, and let us ride Spaceship Earth again. Imagination is one of those things that I think was not touched on specifically at D23 Expo. I actually, if we're talking predictions or or maybe wish lists, I had predicted or hoped that at the next Destination D event, they would have talked about what I believe is still to come in terms of an imagination refreshing of not just the attraction, but the pavilion as a whole.
0: Well, wow, good. <laughs> uh, I mourn for the days of Figment and Dreamfinder. I whatever and it's imagination. So this company is built on imagination. So why can't we have a little of it? <laughs> I think you're gonna
1: see I think you're gonna see more Figment and I think you're also gonna see a return of Dreamfinder too.
0: Oh, well, yeah. this is where you insert your joke of where you think I look like Dreamfinder. So. Yes, <laughs> so they do. I should, I should so so they insert, do.: uh, I'm like going.: yeah. I'm wearing the blue. I don't know. Gosh, I'm starting to believe it now too. Uh,
2: I'll have to work on the voice.: One so. thing you will not find popular, Brett, is that I also think that they have such a, a wonderful Pixar film that's highly regarded by most people out there uh, that deals a lot with emotion and imagination, and so. I think that uh, maybe that's right for Inside Out to be somehow uh, added into that. But Brett, you did have a question about returning to the parks. Well, what is Walt Disney World like
0: right now? I I have reservations about my reservations for November.
1: <laughs> so I am going to once again quote an extinct attraction theme song and say, "Now is the time. Now is the best time to come back to Walt Disney World." Um, believe it or not, it is. I don't know how to explain it. You know, I was nervous about going back to because it's been so long and I missed this place so much. I'm like, what's it going to be like? What's it going to feel like? Look, we're friends. I can admit this to you. I walked onto main street USA and I cried like I visibly wept twice. Um, it was an incredibly emotional experience after wiping the tears from my face and the the food off my mouth. And I really just have been to all the parks, all the resorts. It really is the best time to come. And what I mean is the parks are, the guest capacity is much, much lower. Translated as a guest, the parks are empty. I mean, you really sort of feel like you have the parks to yourself. And what does that mean? People say, well, isn't that weird? I'm like, no, it's. The the sounds are louder. The colors are brighter. Um, You can see the cast members. I'm getting choked up again. You can see the cast members smiling through their face coverings. And look, let's be honest, being able to walk, listen to the words coming out, walking onto Flight of Passage with no weight, and then coming off and a cast member saying, would you like to ride again without going through the queue? Walking onto Peter Pan's flight, 10 minutes at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, You know, those are the kind of things like you dream about as a Walt Disney World guest. So it does feel so good to be back in and it just sort of feels like, I know this, sounds. it does, it sort of filled my emotional cup
0: getting back into the parks. So as long as
1: you can get here and feel safe,
0: I I will say this. I think that's the concern that people that are not in the Orlando area or in the Florida area, that's something that we're. More concerned about. I mean, I've had friends that were there when they reopened in July, and actually, I was going to be there. I have postponed or canceled a Disneyland or Disney World trip now seven times since March, so I keep I keep moving it down. And but you know, the other thing is, and this I think this speaks to our community is that it brings me sort of a sense of relief or just happiness knowing that it's there, that I will be going soon um maybe not as soon as i first hoped but just then it, it gives anyway that's a little bit more personal into my psyche or my world but anyway it does knowing that it's there and that it's open i think brings comfort to a lot of people
1: well and and to that point and and i want to be very very clear about this because i understand that the concerns and the fear and the trepidation is legitimate i was there literally day one and i went i did a lot of facebook live from the parks not just to bring the experience to people who couldn't be here, but I want you to be able to see unfiltered, unedited, completely authentic, exactly what the experience is like as a guest so that you can judge for yourself. I will tell you me personally, I feel safer at Walt Disney world than I do anywhere else. I've been, whether it's a home renovation store, my grocery store, a restaurant, if Disney ran every restaurant and every store and my kid's school, I would have a very different feeling about going to there because of just how safe I feel because it's an incredibly coordinated and orchestrated uh, like group effort between the cast members and what Disney is doing in terms of the physical distancing and making us feel safe, right? There's hand washing and hand sanitizing stations, but the guests are doing their part too. Everybody's wearing their face coverings, everybody's saying physically distance, even without having to worry about the markers on the ground. So I do feel really comfortable there and I hope other people do as well, which is why, you know, I've been doing so much live because I want you to be able to see it and judge for yourself.
3: I can November, guarantee yes. you that later today, Brett is going to change those November bookings <laughs> to like August. They're so, yeah, down. I've looked I've, looked, I've looked, I've looked,
2: I've <laughs> looked. Yeah, the you know, and I have to say thank you for allowing for us to be able to sit here in Illinois and see the uh, the parks and how they are. You know, the especially all of the vloggers and um, people that are bringing us live content that just really helps us, like you said, fill that emotional cup, but also understand what the park is like because we always hear about the Disney bubble, right? Uh, And you always feel now this isn't the NBA bubble that actually exists right now, but the The metaphorical Disney bubble where you go to Walt Disney World and you feel like nothing bad can happen and you have spoken to your personal experiences, which is what I was going to talk a, a little bit about or ask you about. But maybe if we could just go a bit park by park your uh, experiences as far as physical distancing and if there are parks that you feel more comfortable in than others uh, and any experiences that you might want to mention and if we can just start at Magic Kingdom and, and just go through the, the four, four parks. Uh, relatively quickly for you that'd be great
1: yeah so i went to magic kingdom for an annual pass holder preview two days before it officially opened i went back again myself i've gone back again with my entire family because i did feel that sense of safety and security Uh, again this this sensation of look and i've been to after hours events i've been to special events i've been to media events i've never seen the park So just by virtue of the the few number of people who are there being able to be distanced, um, the the procedures and policies that are put in place make it very easy to adhere to those guidelines. And again, I'm super happy that um, other guests are doing it as well, you know. Uh, they've adjusted and improved as need be so now for example if you're eating and drinking you need to be stationary they don't want people sort of just walking around with a cup in their hands just to make sure because again disney's always going to go above and beyond and people says well does it feel less magical because maybe not everything is open or there's not as many people there and i and i honestly feel just the opposite and i brought my kids uh because i wanted to get their feeling and perspective of it as well they too had that same joy in being back as well as that same feeling of being um not just safe but responsible in mm-hmm. hey we have to go wash our hands we have to use the hand sanitizing stations which like i said are everywhere
2: okay great uh, any thoughts on epcot
1: so epcot again is not this sort of transformative phase you walk in and you're there's a lot of walls up especially in future world because they were in the process of doing demolition on things like intervention so you have to take some circuitous routes to get where you wanted to go but it also gives you some views of Epcot that you hadn't seen before Um, but then you walk onto the promenade and they have the taste of Epcot food and wine festival going on right now and it really is the best of the best of the best of food and wine festival because each marketplace, and there's, there's fewer, there's about 20 different marketplaces, so it's not as overwhelming. Each one has two or three of sort of their signature and fan favorite items. There's a few new ones as well, including some that are located inside the World Showplace building so you can get out of the heat. And there's no lines like i'm like this is exactly what i dreamt about every single day is like having food and wine festival all to myself (laughs) and i walked on and i walked on frozen too so
0: that's great that's okay i'm sold november here i come
2: And then uh, if you wanted to wrap up with anything about, I know uh, the concern, it, it seems like there is an additional concern about Hollywood Studios because it is the smaller of the parks and it's, um, it, is, it has more some more compact areas. And especially with Rise of the Resistance and people trying to get that boarding pass, uh, any observations about Disney's Hollywood Studios you'd like to share?
1: So I think Disney did something that was really, really smart. So the virtual queue for Rise of the Resistance pre-COVID was something that really they had never done before, but you needed to be at the park sort of at rope drop and then sort of get on your phone as fast as possible. (laughs) Now, by having multiple queue times at, well, it was originally 10, 1, and 4. I believe now it's 10 and 2 are the two different times. So you have multiple opportunities to get your one, one per guest per day, to get your one boarding group. So you don't necessarily have to worry about getting your family up at 4:30 and schlepping them out to the parks to wait in line to get in there. So again, doing a great job of adjusting, not just to make it more accessible, but to make it easier, especially for families. I think
2: that's great. And then we'll wrap up with uh, Disney's animal kingdom, at least from the park to park perspective.
1: Did I mention the fact that I walked on to, to flight of passage, like not <laughs> once, but like multiple times it's, you know, it, and it's it's wonderful because I have these pictures of the, of an empty queue, which, you know, sort of what you dream about. It's beautiful and you can take your time um, and being able to ride that attraction, you know, over and over again, and then get lunch at the canteen is not a, that's a really, really good day. And you're done with the parks early too, because you can knock out so much pretty fast.
2: You know, and uh, it's interesting because they designed that queue so well when they were coming up with flight of passage, but then the fast pass queue kind of completely takes you away from that you kind of just go past all of this amazing the animatronic the lab and so you don't really get to see that i've never actually been able to see that because of course with flight of passage having such a long wait time i'm always going through the fast pass queue uh, when i do get to go on that ride so it's really neat to see people uh their reactions on these videos on youtube or on facebook going through this queue basically for the first time because they never decided to wait in the long queue before. So it's a really interesting experience for sure.
1: Listen, there is lemonade to be made from lemons. And I think that's, you know, there's positive things to come out of this. And that definitely is one of them.
2: Brett, you had a question, maybe uh, close to lose heart. Well, I understand that uh, food is a favorite
0: <laughs> topic of yours. Uh, would you speak to us about your eating experience in the parks right now? any favorites you're really missing or any new places you've tried that you normally haven't gone to? And I'm sorry, how much time do we have for this? Just to be clear. <laughs> well, dude, the food We're on your next. How's that? A special food edition with, with Lou.
1: Hey. Yeah, <laughs> listen, you know, um, you know, when Disney Springs reopened, I mean, I couldn't get there fast enough. Some of my favorite restaurants uh, are at Disney Springs. And, you know, they, I, I went back a lot and I continue to go back because again that first time I went by myself to just to see how I felt and it continues the place that I go back with you know my family and my friends uh, look not every restaurant is open to be clear um, not every sit down and or counter service location is open not all the resorts are open so maybe some of your favorites aren't there but I think again it does give you an opportunity to maybe find some places that you haven't tried before but And some of the places have limited menus too, um, especially early on. And it not necessarily is because of less guests, but because there's also sometimes supply issues, especially as things are starting to ramp up um, as things are opening up again. But, you know, to be able to go back to some of my favorites, uh, to try a few new things here and there, um, you Know Disney Springs, you know, the boathouse I love. Um, Topolino's at the top of Disney's Riviera Resort has look, I'm, a, I'm Italian, I have a body clearly built on carbohydrates. It's some of the best pasta I've ever eaten in my life. Um, so it, yeah, it's yeah, it's been great to, uh, to get back. And, um, you know, we, we miss the place, we miss the music, we miss the attraction, we miss the characters, but boy, I miss the food.
3: Speaking of characters, uh, don't you uh, – it seems like in some of the videos that are coming out that you can see them out and about, which maybe harkens back to the the old days of the Disney parks from what I hear. Um, what have the uh, character meet and greets or character experiences been like?
1: So as of right now, there are no sort of one-on-one type meet and greet opportunities. However, I think Disney's done something that's been this wonderful blend of sort of meet and greet, versus and parade kind of hybrid they have these character cavalcades so for example i was in epcot the other day and they're not on a schedule they're not announced but all of a sudden you hear this regal music playing and out from morocco comes this dual horse-drawn carriage with Belle, jasmine aurora and sleeping beauty and because it's just on the promenade you know you're not as opposed to a parade where you're lining up for an hour and like getting your spot and <laughs> keeping her like, they're just there and you, because it goes slow and there's so less guests, they're able to sort of slowly make eye contact. Like I am convinced that bell was waving only at me because <laughs> it doesn't feel so very personal. Or if you're in magic kingdom, you know, the, the Cinderella stepsisters are up on the castle and they're talking to you and they're waving and they're conversing with you. And it's happening in all of the parks. Um, You know, the the princesses can go by in Epcot one minute, and then 10 minutes later, Mickey and Minnie, led by Pluto, are coming by in this open, uh, antique, you know, roadster. So it it is wonderful, and I almost sort of like it more because it is a surprise. And there are these sort of moments of delight that just are, you know, sort of punctuate
2: throughout the day. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds... Amazing. <laughs> well, and just even uh, seeing that the, kind of that berm area in Epcot and the video of uh, Winnie the Pooh or Joy uh, going around and just essentially prancing around over there. It's just sort of like, I kind of hope that they keep some of that when, uh, when everything gets back, like you said, to a, a bit of a sense of normalcy. Uh, it would be nice to maybe take some of the experiences that they have had to modify because of this and maybe implement those in the future.
1: I absolutely think we're going to see some of these things, you know, it gives them an opportunity to test some new concepts and then see what the guest response is like.
0: It's a little bit more old school pre photo pass Mm -hmm. because I mean, I went to the parks before there were photo passes and you would see, uh, characters in various areas you know and you just you, you just come upon them so it seems like kind of the same experience and then it is magical because you don't go well we need to stand in line so we can get our picture with you know and i think that they i hope that they are kind of learning about that they won't have as many photopass experiences maybe but they'll have really happy guests
1: yeah and, and been- that's and I, I and that's absolutely what i have been seeing too you know i i go as very much an observer, and I'm watching not just how I feel, but I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to friends and family, but even, even other guests, and they are just so, like the cast members, they're so genuinely happy
0: just to be back. uh, (laughs) We have to get that we have to wrap this up because I got to make some reservations. No, just kidding. Just kidding.
2: uh, We've asked you to make a lot of predictions and I know that that's a really hard thing to do, but uh, in talking about these changes, I think maybe one of the criticisms of a Disney world vacation at this point is the amount of planning that goes into it. You have to be on the phone or on my Disney experience at 180 days and to make those dining reservations. And then you also have to book your fast passes at 60 days out and and make sure you're doing all that. And of course you can have travel agents help you with those types of things. But um, my question to you is, do you think that this might be a reason to maybe go to more of a max pass system or, eliminate the quote unquote free fast pass system uh, going forward especially if we do see lower wait times basically because there is no fast pass
1: right so what they're doing now is is something very different in terms of having to make park reservations in advance of when you go which you know is is very new for everybody including Disney having to decide okay you know what park do we want to go to is it available whether we are Annual pass holders, resort guests, Disney Vacation Club members—each one has their sometimes different availability. So there is a little bit more planning that that does have to take place. As an annual pass holder who's local, I can no longer just sort of say, "Hey, I'm going to pop into Epcot, you know, tonight at five o'clock, get something to eat and, and watch fireworks." I have to see if there's availability. This is not going to be forever. Um, clearly, this is something that that's a stopgap measure. Uh, I do wonder and and am hesitant somewhat to speculate at how this might change going forward as they start to open up more things, have more and more guests come back, uh, open up more of the resorts, which are continuing to happen on a rolling basis really throughout the fall uh, and how that may impact the fast pass system, or will they do things like they're doing for rise and resistance and have this, this virtual queue, you know, your are mobile device is becoming much more of an integral part of mm-hmm. your experience. And and again, I applaud them, again, being a, a tech nerd at how well the process and the system and the technology works, um, and that it it is easy to use, easy to understand. And if you do run into a problem, there are cast members there throughout the parks to help you along the way. So I think we're gonna see more of that. I think this rise of the resistance virtual queue might be something that we see integrated a little bit more into how your, your park days might
0: go going forward. Well, also I was wondering if uh, the genie sort of park planning that was announced at D23 expo, if part of this is are elements of that, or is that moved uh, away for the time being, or because it sounded like it was a pretty, intense program a way to help guests um, experience maximize their vacation and i still don't understand all of it but um, <laughs> right. i'm like going yeah. i can't okay plan my day thank you <laughs> <laughs> <I'm like going. laughs>
1: yeah we don't know how much of this might have been you know was getting prepped for what genie was going to be um certainly i would expect that 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 genie um app and and services to be delayed until things get, you know, I'm hesitant to use the word normal, but sort of get back mm-hmm. to where we were. Um, but I have a feeling somebody on the development team was like, you guys got to get this code done fast because we're yeah. opening up the parks." <laughs> but listen, again, I was really, again, being coming from a, a, a tech background as well. I was incredibly impressed at how day one, how well, this new system worked like there weren't crashes, there weren't bugs. And considering what a huge shift it was, like I applaud all the tech people that probably spent a lot of really, really late nights um, getting that code up to speed.
2: And all those cast members, right? You just can't thank them enough for uh, everything that they're doing day in and day out in those parks and around the company. But Vanessa, to change topics a bit, you have a question about momentum.
3: Yes. Well, when we interviewed Dan Cockrell, he mentioned that he was a speaker at your Momentum conference. And by the way, he said, what a great guy you are. So you certainly have a name (laughs) for yourself as a great guy. And uh, we learned just so much from talking to Dan. And I would assume that there's just a wealth of information to be gained from attending the, the Momentum conference. So I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, and listen, Dan, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Um, His father, Lee, are both exceptional leaders and cast members, and and I consider it a privilege to call them um, friends. Um, So yeah, just very quickly... As somebody who was a conference goer for years, and just wanting to learn everything I could, um, I was sometimes frustrated by being lost in a sea of people and, you know, coming back with a notebook full of ideas and never actually executing on it. So a few years ago, in an effort to help people and move the needle in really a meaningful way, I started what I call a momentum event uh, here in Walt Disney World. It's a workshop weekend that takes place over two days and there's a mastermind day. And it's limited to 50 people one room and I do a lot, not just in terms of bringing in speakers like Lee and Dan and Ashley Eckstein and, but, but people who have walked the walk and have been in their seats to help people and to do a lot of exercises so that you really start making progress right on the spot. Um, I was super excited for this year, our our fifth year of momentum and what I was planning for it. And once again, COVID comes a knocking. So um, (laughs) So uh, I am, I am, Yeah, I'm devastated by it. Um, I am going to be making an announcement about Momentum um, in the next few days, actually, um, because I'm not sure that, you know, now is really the right time to get people together in a room. But I do have alternate plans for it. Um, And then also, look, I I love being able to help people because I know when I started, I didn't have anybody to help answer my questions, keep me accountable. So I, I still, I work with people, you know, one-on-one and in small mastermind groups virtually um, because I think we need that. And again, I talked about this is a time of opportunity. I think there's huge opportunity now to take that thing that you love and turn it into the thing that
0: you do.
2: Absolutely. Brett?
0: Well, you talked about this you know, briefly at at the beginning, but what do you believe it is about Disney and Disney parks that creates such a following and super fans? I affectionately call us Disnoids because we can be a pretty intense and passionate group. intense and passionate absolutely and, and you
1: know it's funny we call ourselves disney fans but there's so many sort of subsections of that whether you're a parks fan a collector movies disneyland versus disney world it's like the bloods in the crypt sometimes coming together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, know, yeah. but it's great and it comes from such a, a good place um that i said you know i think i said earlier on i think we all have this connection to disney whether it was you know sitting around the TV or the radio, or whatever with with our parents you know watching listening to to Walt on Sunday nights, um, growing up the moot with the movies me it, it was going to the parks with my my parents um, you know i, I don 't know how to quantify it um, i, I don 't know how to sort of figure it out and it it is about the way it 's
0: the feelings
1: it 's the way it makes us feel um,
0: yeah.
1: and it goes, look again i 'm going to keep quoting you know Walt, you can design and build the the place but it takes people to make a dream a reality, it, it is um, obviously because of the cast members. You know, Disney World would just be a place with rides and, and shows and incredible food, <laughs> but um, it's because of the way that the, the cast members make you feel. It's the way that the storytellers and the artists and the animators and and the musicians and the composers um, make you feel. Um, you know, now I think a lot of us are spending time just, you know, watching Disney Plus and we're, we're catching up on current in some of the classic movies and you know okay i'm a bit of a crier i know but i find myself sitting on my couch <laughs> you know feeling all the feels um you know whether i'm watching Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea or the imagineering story or waking sleeping beauty
0: exactly well uh, you were talking about that what have been some of your favorite personal or not so personal or whatever or very personal uh moments of disney magic Oh my gosh! You're now you're really trying to make me cry. Aren't you? <laughs> I'm like going? Your therapist wanted me to ask that question. No,
3: sorry.
1: Sorry. <laughs> um, God, you know there are so many, and I consider myself so fortunate and so lucky and so blessed to be able to do what I do and and share it with other people. Um, you know, my Disney story goes back to. You know, driving down in the family truckster with my parents in November of 1971, and and the memories that we have of going there—it's it, because of them that I'm here. It's the memories of taking my kids for the first time, um, you know. And I don't want to feel like I'm name dropping, but I'm—I say this to you.
0: As, oh, we're doing as, that now too. So it's no. no but big I say this, fellow fans. But <laughs> being able to
1: meet and interview, and in some cases, befriend some people whose work I've admired for so many years, whether it's a Richard Sherman or a Julie Andrews or a Kevin Feige, like has been the greatest like privilege for me. And I do, I pinch myself all the time that I get to do this. Look, I was a lawyer in my past life and this is a whole heck of a lot better than (laughs) the practice of law. Like I loved being able to help people and I, I hope, that I'm continuing to help people just in a different kind of way. But, um, being able to make so many personal friends, I don't, I don't mean, you know, Richard and Kevin, I mean, the friends that I've met, you know, here in Orlando and as a result of the show and meeting people like you who are, are like-minded and, and sort of get it, um, as somebody who grew up with not a lot of friends, it's been an amazing, uh, transformative thing for me. And I do, I consider myself, you know, one of the luckiest people on the planet.
0: Well, that's, well, Disney magic comes in all sorts of forms, shapes, and sizes, so. so. That's
3: right. Well, let's talk about something that you love a lot, uh, is food, because I'm a foodie, you're a foodie, so we can, like, we can probably just do it telepathically, but uh, some quick fire food questions for you that we just got to ask you about. Um, what are your current Epcot Food and Wine Festival favorites?
1: So, the frothy ramen in Japan is do really? not pass, go- oh, God. God, really so good. i've seen
3: videos of it
1: <laughs> it is so good and it's you don't imagine ramen to be sort of cool and refreshing but it is and that right. dashi broth i could just you drink it i mean it's i've had it multiple times plus the tempura you get a huge portion of tempura china is killing it this year their spicy beef bao bun is
0: just so good um I you're taking go. us a trip around the world there with your favorites that's a good thing
1: the cheese bread in brazil the empanadas are so good <sighs> Me- everything in mexico i gotta go i need to go for, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> well,
2: the more wait, you wait. talk about this you need to figure out a way to shift some of this up to <laughs> illinois for us. so uh, we got to work on some kind of packaging or something there
3: yeah absolutely we're trying to make things here and they're not exactly going well for all of us so (laughs) as brett can attest uh, for my cooking but anyway um if you another question if you could have an all-expense paid dinner at walt disney world resort where would it be and what would you have
1: you say all expense paid i'm like you better check that because i'm for a little (laughs) man i can eat a lot of food um I I, boathouse in Disney Springs is my favorite restaurant Um, just anywhere from it's the, the amount and the the quality of the food and the service I think is exceptional, but I think taking boathouse out of the equation, I think Takumite in Japan, which is currently closed, uh, Takumite in Japan is without question for me, the best overall dining experience in Disney World, hands down.
2: Wow that is it's a that strong good. endorsement and yeah.
0: yes and and you know from
2: yeah so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and victorian alberts i'm looking at you like i i think takumi is is just it's that good
3: wow wow, that's saying something well hopefully we'll get to try it someday uh, a couple more quick food questions for you um what's you said boathouse are there any other uh, favorite disney springs dining experiences
1: I think Homecoming is just, it's a home run for brunch, lunch, brunch. dinner, late night. It's just so good. And the name of the place is so appropriate because you walk in and you feel like you're home. And Chef Art Smith is there all the time. There's something incredibly comforting and delicious about everything on the menu. Um, yeah, it, it is It is very, very easily. It's, it's, a, it's a super huge favorite of mine.
2: And you're so kind, you won't plug your own show, but you did just have an interview with Chef Bart Smith as well, so people can check that out.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we sat (laughs) down and had lunch together. Like, um, I thought I was just going in for an interview, and he's like, let's order some food. I'm like, when the guy who owns the restaurant says, let's order food, I'm like, yeah, man, of course.
3: (laughs) Great, you do it, for sure. And then this last one Brett actually wrote, but he's cheating. Um, He wanted me to ask turkey leg or dole whip, but the real question is turkey leg or no turkey leg. So I see what you're doing, Brett. (laughs)
1: Oh man. You know, I'm a, I'm a savory over sweet guy, but <gasps>
3: okay. but
1: She'll take that.
3: <laughs> I'll take um, it as, as long as you like turkey legs. It's been oh a topic.
0: It's so, uh, I know it's so hard because there's so, why can't you have both? Like, why exactly. can't we that all was, just. Steve Vanessa, yeah. that was my, that was my question. Yes. That was my turkey leg, Dole Whip or both. There yeah, you go. It's, it's both. <laughs> both.
3: There you go. Both. All right. Well, that's, that's it for my food rapid fire questions. <laughs> well, we'll give you do, a break because we're getting hungry.
2: I think, I think we can make the assumption here. So I, I sometimes feel like the marriage counselor in between Brett and Vanessa, because Brett is so anti-turkey leg and Vanessa so is uh, so pro-turkey leg. So uh, you Classic. would eat a turkey leg. That is the, that is the outcome of this question, right?
0: Yes. Yes, I was. Maybe (laughs) couples
2: therapy for
0: food. I don't know. We're not It's protein. (laughs) So how bad could it possibly be for you?
2: Great. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) I, I can tell you this, this hour has just went by so, so, so fast, but I'd encourage any listener of ours to please go and check out WDW radio. Lou has nearly 600 episodes and just is such, like I said at the beginning, a positive influence. I was telling, Uh, Vanessa this um, before we began recording you know I turn on your show on days where I might not be having such a great day but I know as soon as I turn on WW radio you kind of transport me to a place of happiness and positivity and really really appreciate that so you have been doing so much during this time uh, away from things Uh, you have been doing all of your live videos that everyone can follow you on social media You also just recently announced that you're doing a pick of the week on Disney plus. So uh, that's going to be a fun experience. You said 20,000 leagues under the sea is coming up and that's actually a show that we have all watched because we are getting ready to record our own show about that, which is be just be wonderful. But uh, you have books, you have audio tours. Did I, did I miss anything here? What else are you up to that uh, you'd like to have us mention?
1: No, you've been so incredibly gracious and generous. um, And I appreciate it so very much.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's just been such a such a fun time. Uh, wrap up, Brett or Vanessa, did you have any uh, final questions?
3: I mean, I just when you want to go grab some lunch, I mean, I'll fly down and we'll go enjoy a big bowl of pasta or something.
0: You fly, I'll buy. You <laughs> All fly, right. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, she was, she's coming. She's yeah. making her reservations, <laughs> but I'm making my reservations. Yeah, well, actually, I wanted to tell you because I looked. Um, kind of your your entree into the world of Disney and your career change was your guide or was your trivia book mm-hmm. about Disney? I bought that trivia book in 2004 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I was one wow. of, I was, I'm a former cast member. So, and mm-hmm. you know, so I'm like going, so what does he know? Oh, he knows a lot. So that was good. <laughs> that was, and I did listen to um, your, uh, I guess it was your Facebook live last night. And, I'm a new convert. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you did that. So, yeah. So I, I did. I'm like going, okay. So Lou's going to be on the show tomorrow. Let me just type one of those little responses, and I'm responsible for the the black hole comment about the the uh, the soundtrack living in your brain forever. Oh, okay, yeah. But I, but I misspelled black hole. I'm like going. He, I'm an idiot now. I did a screenshot, and I'm like going. <laughs> I am forever a black hole. I'm I know. Like, like, you said, like
1: W H O L E. I know.
0: And I, <laughs> I went back because I was like typing really fast. And I went back and I saw that. And I'm like going, he gave me a shout out. Yay.
2: <laughs> it was very cool. <laughs> thank you, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank, no, thank you, you for so watching, much. Man. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Lou, for everything. And we really appreciate all that you bring to us.
1: Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. I had such a really good time.
2: Thank you. What a fantastic individual. You know, we've had so many great experiences talking to so many wonderful people, and Lou is a content creator, but he's so much more than that. He's really inspiring, and I know, I apologize, Lou, if you're listening back to this, I was fanboying quite a bit on you, uh, but you really do. You've made an impact on uh, this network and on me, and it's just so great to have uh, something so positive and great to listen to every single week at WW radio. But Vanessa, give me your thoughts on Lou.
3: Lou's great. What a nice guy. I could see why you love him so much, Craig. I mean, he <laughs> is, he is my, he, to my Phil Collins is your Lou. So I get <laughs> it. I totally get it. He's such a nice guy. So knowledgeable, so kind. And I'm now I'm thinking about what I'm going to order when we meet up and finally have a, a snack at Disney world. So Yeah, I'm really excited um, to meet him hopefully someday, and I will definitely be listening to all the episodes because you couldn't pick a nicer guy to listen to.
0: Brett, what are your thoughts? Well, I I listened to his, I watched and listened to his podcast uh, last night before we filmed this, um, and he's so genuinely kind, and uh, and you just feel it. it it projects uh, to the audience. So that and my big takeaway is he said to come on down. So November, I really hope I get to go to Walt Disney World because Lou says it's fine. Could I, I say think you'll down? be
3: there before November. I'm willing to start taking bets. Craig, are you in on this with me? I'd like I, to make a little money.
2: I really think that uh, you're going to be looking at those reservations tonight, Brett. But, I think so, too. Uh, and, and I'm like, plant the carrots.
0: Like Move them a little bit closer.
2: Guaranteed I think that's a bit of news that you're going in November, so you hadn't oh. told our audience that yet. Oh, well. oh, but
3: it's not November. I guarantee tonight Brett is going to send me a message we'll and sharing all these dates with me, saying you should go too. You should go well, too. We'll see. Who said it was <laughs> yeah. a good idea? Who yeah, knows?
0: So yeah, we'll just see. But I'm I'm glad to hear from a local that it. it the, the parks are amazing right now. So
2: yep. I'm we ready. uh referenced it in our interview last week with Dan Cockrell but I would say if you were thinking about one spot to just go back and listen to on Lou's show uh, I have to recommend the interview that he just recently did with Dan because they talked about projects that never came to fruition at the Disney parks and it's extremely interesting and actually uh, Dan mentioned last week that He sort of broke some news that Galaxy's Edge was really going to be Tatooine and that you were going to uh, be kind of living that experience of what we see in A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. And uh, that, that of course, shifted to Batuu and to Black Spire Outpost and Galaxy's Edge. But it's just a really great interview, but also some wonderful top 10 lists out there. Uh, that seem to go on forever they're really like top 30 lists and uh, of course you've you heard his love for food so those types of reviews too highly recommend going out and checking out wdw radio you can just search that in any podcast app and you will find it right away so any final comments from either of you let's go to brett first i had the best time it was so much fun so listeners
0: enjoy and viewers too Vanessa, I'm, you're thinking
2: I'm, about.
3: I'm thinking, do I want surf and turf?
2: Or <laughs>
0: do
3: I want pasta? Do we want to do boathouse or do we want to do homecoming? I mean, you know, the, the options are endless. The and I'm a foodie I'd say just too. Do it all. So. I'm a foodie. So it's so nice. It's my mom the other day told me, you know, you have to stop being a foodie. And I'm like, never. And <laughs> it's so nice to hear from someone who else is a foodie. So it's just great. Brett can't even say he's a foodie because he doesn't eat. And I, Craig's running all the time. So who knows if he's a foodie anymore, oh, but oh. I am a foodie people come to me. We will talk food any day, anytime.
2: I'm certainly. I I certainly could be convinced to eat some food. That's for sure. So, thank you all for listening. If you want to follow along with us, you can of course find us on any social media platform. Search for Beyond the Mouse Podcast on Facebook, also Instagram Beyond the Mouse Pod. We're doing a lot on Facebook and Instagram, so we'd love to have you come and join us there. You can also find us, of course, on nprillinois.org. We are part of the Front Row Network. You can search for us on any podcast platform that you'd like. If you do that, please take a moment to rate and subscribe to the show. That just helps expand our audience, and we love to have you, especially if you're a new listener coming over and listening to us because you love Lou as much as we do. We would really like to have you. We have wonderful episodes. We have recent interviews with some Disney legends and some Disney directors. We also have just lots of fun with movie reviews and talking about our experiences in the park and our love for the Disney company. So thank you so much for listening. For Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon in the front row. Or maybe at the boathouse. Who knows? (laughs) I'm I'm hungry for all
0: those foods. Oh, my gosh. I'm
2: starving.
0: Starving.